Grace and peace. It is great to be with you. Um, we are, let's see, we're kicking off a new series this evening. It's titled uh, Epiphany, A Radical Invitation. Uh, and the idea of the, the season of Epiphany in the church calendar uh, is basically that it's a time to reflect on who Christ was and is, um, who he reveals God to be, and what our response to that revealing is. So in a sense, um, you know, if you think about like the word epiphany, this is sort of what an epiphany is. It's, it's when something shines forth and um, grips us. So you can see that uh, in many ways, epiphany is the perfect follow-up to the Christmas season of Advent, uh, because Advent, that's very much um, what theologians might, they call like the Marian posture, um, you know, like Mary, mother of Jesus. Advent is all about um, waiting and receiving something from God that we do not work for or earn. Uh, it's really a season of contemplation, quiet and grace. Uh, Epiphany, following Christmas, that's different. Um, this is about our response as the church to the gift of Jesus. So with that in mind, the title of my message this evening is Tribes and Tribalism. Tribes and Tribalism. Uh, and believe it or not, I actually wrote this message about two weeks ago, um, right when we were leading up to the new year. And so I didn't yet you know, know all that would happen. Um, however, I think you'll see, um, I, I've, I've tweaked a few things, but um, overall, I think the, the spirit was guiding me because it feels really, really timely. I didn't have to change much. And um, now, having said that, if you were kind of hoping that I would um, hit the, the issues of this week a bit more straightforwardly, um, well, then you probably haven't read my e-letter. I was pretty straightforward in that. And so if you didn't get that, just let me know. Um, I can you know, send it your way. Um, but uh, this text or, or this message tonight is going to be centered um, in a little bit different way, though I will you know, touch on, on uh, our cultural things happening. So uh, our text is going to be our scripture, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And um, let's go ahead and we can um, read that together. So uh, we'll begin verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And I quote, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So, so a huge, huge problem, um, you know, for human beings, really not only now, um, but really throughout history, but you could argue particularly in our world today, um, a huge problem is tribalism. I suspect uh, this is driven in no small part by the, um, the information and misinformation silos we now inhabit in our world, uh, particularly very, uh, via social media. Um, but regardless, you know, it's just, it's a, tribalism is a huge, huge issue, and there's really no end in sight to it. Um, now, to be clear, uh, tribes uh, are not bad. You know, tribes, the way we kind of form ourselves into groups and tribes, that tribes can be community and relationship. Um, tribes can be a shared sense of identity, a, a feeling of being known, a, a source of of common values and thus a common way of life. Uh, but like everything, tribes can be dangerous. And I believe they're dangerous for at least three reasons. Um, first, A, echo chambers. Uh, tribes so quickly become echo chambers of settled opinion where we all just know that we are right because, well, look around. Eh. Everyone in this tribe agrees, <laughs> and we're all geniuses here, or at least we feel like geniuses because we've implicitly agreed never to disagree. <laughs> so, um, like this is this is basically what an echo chamber is, right? Echo chamber is a place where someone um, only encounters information and opinions that reflect and reinforce what they already believe. Right? No challenge, no pushback, no growth. Um, B, uh, second reason tribes can be dangerous is because of arrogance, right? They, they can so easily devolve into this culture, a culture of arrogance, a sense that um, our tribe is the best tribe, uh, but not even just the best tribe, but um, perhaps even more dangerous, the only good tribe, our motives are pure. Our eyes are open. We alone are the possessors and arbiters of goodness and truth. Third, exclusivism. Tribes can be dangerous because they become exclusive clubs for our kind of people. Outsiders are not welcome. Now, this brings up the question, um, like, what do you mean by tribes, right? Like, what types of tribes are there? And of course, um, when I use this term, tr tribes, I mean, they, they come in a variety of forms. Um, they, they tend to form along the lines of, let me, let me list a few things here. Um, race, uh, gender, nationality, uh, politics, families and clans, um, class levels, right? Like about money. Um, geography, so just where people live, um, and then of course religion. I mean, basically, you can form a tribe around like nearly anything, which, in light of the dangers mentioned above, might lead you to think, well, let's just do away with these tribes. These things are dangerous. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, human beings are deeply and inescapably social. 
right? We derive our sense of identity from the tribes we inhabit. Uh, in fact, uh, child psychologists will tell you that it's important for kids to grow up in a tribe of sorts. You have the you have the family tribe, and that family needs a strong culture, strong values, a strong sense of of look, kids, this is who we are. This is how we act. And here in this tribe, you are loved. And here in this tribe, you belong. That's great. Uh, same on the religious end. Sometimes uh, with kids, we can get this kind of progressive idea where we don't want to force religion on our children. Uh, this can be particularly tempting if you've come from maybe a really, really kind of not just conservative, but almost a fundamentalist kind of control, hyper-controlling situation. And so you kind of swing the pendulum. You're like, I'm not doing that to my kids. So we might be be very tempted to, to try this thing of, um, of not giving our kids any religious input because we don't want them to get tribal. So we're just going to let them decide for themselves uh, what, whatever they come to. But again, uh, psychologists, child psychologists will tell you that while it can there's, you, you can kind of see the logic there, um, but that's something that the cure just might kill the patient because it turns out kids actually do better when they have an intentional religious tribe to grow into because it helps them orient themselves in the world. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is who God is. This is what is right and what is wrong. This is how we understand the world. Uh, and I mean, heck, if you don't give your kids a tribe, they'll probably just end up finding some more dysfunctional want to join anyway. So, so all this leaves us in a real pickle because on the one hand, it seems we can't do without tribes. And yet on the other hand, tribes can be so, man, what's the language? So, so dangerous. So, so in-groupy and out-groupy and just, just the worst. I remember a few years ago at the, the last church, I was at someone met with me and they very bluntly, they sat me down and they said, your church has a problem. And I said, uh, no, it doesn't. No, I'm joking. I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm sure it has a lot of them, uh, but go ahead. You t tell me the one you have in mind. And they said, it's the clicks. This church has clicks. Like this group of people are friends and that group of people are friends and the, the groups, you know, they can be sort of, you know, clickish. And I said, uh, huh. yeah, I mean, I could, I can see what you're saying, and I agree. We can always be better about keeping groups open to outsiders, but I know the people you're talking about. This person, they had named some very specific names of people in the church who were acting clickish. And I said, I mean, I know them pretty dang good. Like, honestly, they're not, they're not really the, the kind of insecure, closed-off kind of people. And so we just started to go back and forth, like kind of not arguing anything, but we were just processing. And it was difficult, like, because there was this need on the one hand for there to be friend groups in the church. But then how do you keep them open enough that they don't start to feel cliquish? And it was a hard, awkward conversation. And, and ultimately it ended when this person just said, I just, I, I just think it's cliquish. And we... Kind of parted ways. And I thought long and hard about that conversation. And, and honestly, it's just difficult because on the one hand, we can't do without tribes. And on the other hand, having a tribe centered on certain values uh, inevitably creates this, this kind of in-group, out-group dynamic, which, I mean, on the mild end can be cliquish. 
and on the extreme end can be downright dangerous. I think you see this tension around tribes play out even in the biblical text itself. I mean, if you think about it, when God wanted to reveal himself, God chose a man, Abraham, in Genesis 12. And then he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, a tribe, a people who eventually became known as the Jewish people. In fact, they were literally known as the 12 what of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes who combined to form one mega nation tribe. Uh, that's the Old Testament. And then, and of course, there's other examples. But then to kind of jump over to the New Testament, uh, one of the very first things Jesus did once he began his three years of ministry was to call 12 people. The number, by the way, is interesting, right? Got the 12 thing, how it kind of parallels the story of Israel. And these 12 people would go on to found a community, a tribe centered on Jesus known as the church. And what was and is this tribe constantly tempted to do? We are tempted by the exact problems we talked about earlier. Echo chambers, arrogance, and exclusivism. Every tribe is tempted by these things. And when we succumb to them, we, we have now slipped into tribalism. Tribes at their worst. Which is why it seems not insignificant that for all of the tribalism in the Bible, and no doubt you can find it, the spirit of God in God's wisdom keeps humbling and opening up the tribe. And sometimes it's very obvious as, as when, for example, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he gives them this lecture, he says, you are, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but basically you are so caught up in your your religious kind of ethnic cultural pride, you can't even see how far from God you are. In fact, the prostitutes and the sinners, they're going to enter the kingdom of God ahead of you. <laughs> he's like not mincing words. In other words, what's he naming? He's saying the very people that your little tribe within a tribe has excluded as the outsiders, they are going to become God's, God's insiders. So that's a, I mean, it's a pretty blatant one. It's like a slap in the face of their tribal pride. Uh, but at other times, it's, it's more subtle. More subtle. And I believe this passage we read, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, illuminates that. Did you catch who it was that made the long journey to worship the Christ child? Notice it was not the reigning king in Jerusalem, Herod, that we find out later he wanted to kill the child. Uh, so clearly it's not Herod. In fact, it, it wasn't even like the high priests or the religious leaders at that time. Uh, who, who was it? Who discerned the birth of the single most significant baby ever to grace the earth? The Magi. The Magi. What is a Magi? It's not a word we use a lot. Here's the definition. Magi, sorcerer or magician. Sorcerer or magician? I love that God does things like this. I just love that wizards, Harry Potter met Jesus. Uh, and by the way, they were almost certainly not kings. That's part of much later tradition. It comes a few hundred years later. That seems to be kind of more mythical. 
like these, the, the Magi kind of transformed into kings. Uh, I love how Christian writer Nadia Boltzweber, she put it when she said, we three kings of Orient are not in the Bible. <laughs> so uh, so who are these Magi? Who were they really? Like, well, they were, they were these kind of, um, I mean, it's hard to put kind of pigeonhole them because there are probably a lot of things. These, these kind of astrologers, right? They're watchers of the stars. So kind of astrologers, uh, scientists, but um, probably with some religious bents to them. So maybe like kind of priest, wizards, sorcerers from the East. I mean, for sure we can say they were certainly foreigners, uh, pagans, and yet it was they who discerned the times. It was they who had the eyes to see. It was they who were sensitive to the spirit and who came and gave gifts and worship the Christ. What, what am I getting at? Here's what I'm getting at. It seems that God's circle of welcome is always bigger than ours. Every time. God's circle of welcome is always bigger than ours. We keep trying to shut the tribal doors and God keeps kicking them back open. We keep thinking that we are the know-it-alls who have nothing to learn, while God keeps dropping hints that sometimes it's the outsiders who get it first. And, and this, of course, is no one-off story. I mean, if you've ever read the Bible, then you know that, that for all of its pretty strong tribal tendencies, for, for all of its talk of, of election and the people of God, uh, if you follow the trajectory in the story, what do you see? You see that the circle of welcome keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. All right, so what does this mean for us, like in our lives? Let me put it like this. Um, here's step one in your life. Step one, find a tribe, gain an identity. Uh, it, this, it's important, right? You need it. Like your kids need it. You'll need it your whole life. We, we all need to belong. We all have to orient ourselves in the world, as I said earlier. Um, and I'm, by the way, not just talking about joining a church, though I, I think arguably that is is one of, if not the most important tribes you'll connect with. Um, but but I'm really just trying to name about, I'm trying to name all the tribes, right? This is true of all areas of your life. Like you need to find good, healthy, vibrant tribes. Um, but here's step two, step two. You then have to prevent your tribe from turning into the worst version of itself. So you, you kind of spend a few years getting into the tribe and then you realize your purpose shifts. Now I've got to prevent this tribe from becoming um, just the worst. And, and what's the worst version? Arrogance, echo chambers, and exclusivism. Arrogance, echo chambers, and exclusivism. In other words, to be faithful to the spirit of Christ, there will come a time when you will have to be the voice in the wilderness that demands your tribe eat a slice of humble pie and shut up and listen and learn and acknowledge that our stuff stinks too. 
there will come a time when you will have to be the one demanding a seat at the table of your tribe for whoever just might be considered the stranger, the outsider, the non-believer, the sinner, the pesky question asker. Tribes don't like pesky question askers. But there's going to come a day where you will have to be the one demanding to see the table for them. Why? Because that just might be how the Holy Spirit chooses to show up in your midst. And it's the only way your tribe isn't going to decay into a stultifying, petrifying, arrogant echo chamber. The worst kind of tribalism. And I'll I'll close with this. Uh, Make no mistake about it. What we saw a few days ago in D.C., that was the result, the manifestation of of this kind of tribalism, an echo chamber gone off the deep end. And, of course, um, the political left has also had its own violence and off the deep end moments over the summer. So this isn't about just, you know, picking on a group. but, but the thing is that this that sort of thing that this kind of tribalism gone crazy this is um it's not just sad i've, I've heard a lot of people naming that so sad and that's true it is sad it's not just sad uh it's dangerous it's dangerous so where's the hope um i think i believe christ shows us a better way let me say that again christ shows us a better way you see christianity It's a strange tribe, friends. Um, We're supposed to, it's supposed to be a strange tribe. Let me put it like that. We're supposed to be a peculiar people, Uh, a tribe. It's like a tribe that is no tribe. Um, A tribe whose doors are to remain open to the other. A tribe that at its core is called to remain humble Um, listening, servant-hearted, like the Christ we claim to follow. Uh, And so I'm calling us, let's be those kind of people. And in your tribes, the various, all the ones you inhabit, um, keep the doors open to the wizards in your midst. Say the wizards, it's a metaphor. I mean, the outsiders, the strangers, the the ones no one else wants around, the unexpected visitors, because sometimes God gives you gifts of insight and wisdom that you could receive no other way. Don't let your tribe devolve into arrogant know-it-alls, into self-righteous political, social, religious Pharisees who have nothing to learn. And again, uh, this week, this week it was the it was a certain group. You know, next week it's it's a different group. Um, but but the key is uh, we've got to stay humble. We've got to stay learners. And honestly, let's do the same thing in our church. I mean, for goodness' sake, it's in our name, the table. Let's keep expanding the circle of God's welcome to everyone, liberals and conservatives, gay and straight, black, white, brown, because Jesus has come not to coddle insiders, but to welcome outsiders, which means that's our job too. That's our job, church. Let's live it. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, 
I ask for wisdom. Wisdom and awareness over every person who can hear my voice. God, that all the tribes we inhabit, it's so easy to just get pulled into the echo chamber, pulled into our perspective. It's so hard to break out of that. So God, I, I just pray for wisdom and in an awareness, just a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit that something in us would, would just awaken when our tribes are taking uh, a dark and dangerous turn. So lead us, guide us. Help us to love like you love. Help us to expand, to join you in expanding that circle of welcome. It's in the powerful, the life-changing name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.